Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing today, church? Doing good? I want you to know that I am uh, fully aware of the fact that we have inserted into this worship celebration right here, right now, a very um, melancholy mood. And um, that is most appropriate on the day that we are going to head toward the cross with Jesus and see humanity at its worse and God at his best. But nonetheless, I still want to ask you on the count of three to welcome all the campuses throughout the movement. One, two, three. Come on and welcome them. Talking about the Garner campus, North Carolina Correctional Institute, North Raleigh, Hillsborough Coffee House, Sanford Campus, Internet Campus, Columbia Campus, Fika Town in Kenya, which is launching another campus. And last but surely not least, those of you here in Durham, North Carolina, Hillsboro, I thoroughly enjoyed being with you folks this week. We had a great time. Hey, I always like to let you know when we do this next Sunday, a week from today, well, you, might, you might call it Sacramental Sunday. We're going to have Holy Communion. And uh, I know that, see, I just heard some people clapping. Some people are like, well, they, they love that, and I do too. Holy Communion. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have a baptism celebration at 3 p.m. All the campuses are going to descend on the Durham campus, and we're going to have things like caramel corn, kettle corn, caramel apples, apple cider, petting zoo, maybe a hayride. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going on next week at 3 p.m. So really, really encourage you to come on out for the fall festival and baptism if you have not been baptized. So we are in a journey. Started in Genesis on Easter Sunday. And it's going to end at the book of Revelation at the very end. And we are today in that moment where scholars have traditionally called it Passion Week. It's, uh, if you read your chapter this week, and by the way, can you believe we only got like six weeks left with the story? So it's my way of saying to you, hey, hang in there. Keep doing your readings. How many of you are still reading every single week and bringing your binder and you're just all dialed in? Amen. I love it. And others of you, you're like, it's a little bit hard. I, I, I know. I cannot tell you that I have read every single week, but I've come close. I've come real close and uh, let's hang in there six more weeks to be able to say we've studied the entire Bible. But the chapter that you read this week was called The Hour of Darkness. The truth is it was not just an hour. It was six hours. Six long hours on a Friday that we have historically called Good Friday. Good for you, good for me, bad for God. Because it was there that God met the badness, the sadness of humanity that crucified him on a blood-stained cross. John 19, 30, out loud, let's read it together. It's the word of God. Ready? Go. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus said, what? What's finished? Have you ever have you really thought about that? Like, what exactly was finished in that moment when Jesus, if you will, suspended between the upper story from which he came and the lower story of the sadness of this world, suspended there, arms crucified, saying to the world, I love you this much. He said, it is finished. If you're taking notes, and, and I encourage you to do this, take out your teaching notes. It was here at the cross. Here at the cross where Jesus says it is finished. If you've been here lately, you know that we've been kind of talking about the story in two different ways. There is, there is an upper story. A what, church? There's an upper story where God's plan is unfolding on planet Earth, whether we like it or not. God can do whatever God wants to do, whenever God wants to do it, however God wants to do it. Agreed? 
That's the upper story. And the best thing we can do as followers of Christ is to try to figure out and discern what God is doing in the upper story and join him there. Upper story is this stuff, we've been using this platform here as a kind of metaphor. Uh, I'm on the upper story now. This is where God's meta-narrative is unfolding on planet Earth. There is a lower story as well. And the lower story is where you live, it's where I live, it's, we've been using down here. It's the brokenness of day-to-day life. I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a beautiful world that we live in, amen? I am an optimist. I believe the glass is half full. I believe there's a lot to be thankful for. But there is no denying the fact that this is a broken world. This is a world where you have good days, come on, and you have bad days. This is a world in which you can die to the flesh and live for Christ and and, and just be following him. And then there are other days where you can get caught up in this propensity of sin and brokenness. This is a world where sometimes politics work. (laughs) Rarely. And then there are other times when you have political candidates where you're not excited about either one of them. Right? This is a broken world in which we Live and, and the thrust of where we're going today is I want you to understand that it is here at the cross where the upper story of God and the lower story of you and I collide on a hill called Calvary. At a place that we have traditionally called the old rugged cross. Remember singing that when you were a kid? The old rugged cross. We buried uh, Larry Stogner this week. And um, I say buried him. It was a memorial service. Larry Stogner passed away. Most of you know that. Uh, Incredible man who became known as the dean of journalism. He anchored uh, for 42 years Um, He was impeccable at his career, shook hands with presidents and leaders around the world. Uh, He passed away recently of ALS, and we had this unbelievable service here on Sunday. And Larry made it really, really clear to me that during the memorial service, he wanted me to point people in the direction of Jesus. He said, whatever you do, make sure they understand the power of the gospel and what God did for them at the cross. You say, well, well how, how do you know that? How did, he, how did he tell you that? Well, he told me in person, but he also wrote a letter. Larry, the you know, unbelievable journalist that he is, decided to help me with the funeral. <laughs> he wrote a letter from heaven is what he called it. Now, he wrote it on this side of heaven, but he wrote it, first time I've ever experienced this, he wrote it for me to read as his thoughts from heaven. He was so emphatic about this, he didn't want anybody to see it until the memorial service. He wouldn't even let his wife see it. So he he sealed it up in an envelope to Benji Kelly. He, He even put his return address on there. This is right before he died. He, he mentions you in the letter. Do you mind if I read a little bit of it? The first line, my pages are off a little bit because I did it early. The first line is simply typical Larry style. At long last, an audience of people not equipped with a remote control. <laughs> He says, I greet you from heaven, but will reflect on my time on earth. There were times I had my doubts about Christianity. I've had questions. Now I know the answers. He looks back. He goes, the old news dog in me was the very definition of a skeptic. And I thought it served me well for more than 40 years. The commodity I dealt in was truth. Whether interviewing a president, covering a homicide, or walking the streets of an Afghan village, the story had to pass the smell test. Who, what, where, why, when, and how many people saw it. It was only in the last few decades that I dared to deal with this thing we call 
faith. Trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove. St. Thomas wrote this. St. Aquinas wrote this. To one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. Go outside on a cloudless night. Some of you need to hear this. Lie flat on your back and take in his interstellar handiwork. The big bangers will scoff and label you a Neanderthal. But have no fear, God is there beside you, taking pleasure in you, marveling at his many miracles of life and beauty. And the historical man called Jesus becomes a contemporary personal relationship. Late in my life, I was baptized here in this church. I'm so glad I did. A loud and clear statement of my love and commitment to Jesus Christ. Some of you need to get plunged into the waters of baptism next Sunday, 3 p.m. He says a few things to his family, real touching. But then he says this, to my fellow new hopers, especially those of you who would approach me in the lobby and say you were praying for me, God has heard you. Listen to this. God has heard you. I'm now healed. Sometimes the most ultimate healing takes place not on planet earth, but when we die and we're healed in heaven forever. Amen? He says this. In his moving 1873 hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, Spafford penned the lyrics, My sins not in part, but the whole, are nailed to the cross, and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. And then he ends with this sentence. So powerful. I am gone now without shame and with great joy, knowing that my sins are also nailed to the old rugged cross. That night, just this week, Wednesday night, we put all of Larry's trophies up here on the stage. And, oh, my Lord, he got a lot of trophies from the governor and people international, lots of trophies. And the only reason I did it was because we made the point in the memorial service that Larry in his home, Bobby was in the process of remodeling a room in the house for Larry. And as Larry was getting closer and closer to death, he was emphatic that in that room, and the room didn't get finished. He passed away before it got finished. But in that room, Larry was emphatic. On one side of the room, he wanted all the trophies that we had up here on the stage, wanted all the trophies. On the other side of the room, he wanted a crown that represented the crown of salvation. And in the middle of the room, he wanted hung an old rugged cross that signified that he was trading in the trophies of this world for the crown of salvation through the power of the old rugged cross. And we're going to sing the song. The service is very different today. Buckle your seatbelts. I'm going to invite Pastor Fuller and Sharice and others out here. And we're going we're gonna to sing the song, The Old Rugged Cross. But this was the verse Larry wanted us to pay close attention to. And you're about to sing it, hopefully. I will cherish the old rugged cross till at last my trophies I lay down. And exchange them someday for a crown. Glory. Campuses, we're going to sing this song with you on the count of three. Everybody stand up at all ten campuses. One, two, three. Just rise and let's belt this out. Some of you sang this song when you were a kid in your mother's church or your father's church, your grandparents' church. Let's sing it out as we keep looking at the cross today. Here we go. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. 
has wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So You may be seated. Praise his name. Praise his holy name. Amen. What is, what is going on here? I mean, in a very, very deep level, we have, we have the madness of the lower story colliding with the divinity of the upper story, all in this old rugged cross. What's going on? For some of you today, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to connect dots on, in a spiritual realm and in a biblical sense like you never have before. Spiritual light bulbs are just going to start going off. How many of you have heard the phrase, he or she was the scapegoat? You ever heard that? He or she was the scapegoat. What does that mean? I mean, someone has to take the hit for something they didn't do, right? How many of you would say, hey, I've been the scapegoat? Right? You've been in a situation where other people did stuff wrong and they needed somebody to blame. And so they blamed you. You became the scapegoat. Did you know that that whole notion of a scapegoat has its origins in the Bible? Did, did you know this? Open up your Bibles if you have the old school Bible. If not, just follow along with me. Leviticus 16. If you've got your storybooks, you don't need to worry about trying to find it. But Leviticus 16, 7 through 10 Look at what the word of the Lord says. Then he, that is the priest, is to take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He is to cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other for the, help me out church. Aaron shall bring the goat whose lot falls to the Lord and sacrifice it for a sin offering. But the goat Chosen by Lot as the scapegoat 
shall be presented alive before the Lord to be used for making atonement by sending it into the desert as a what? All right, now look at that verse. Leave it up there for a moment. It's to be used by making what? Come on, church. Come on. Making atonement. Write that word down in your teaching notes. Atonement. The scapegoat was making atonement for the people of God. I know it sounds foreign, but you got to understand, this is what they did in the Old Testament. They sacrificed animals. If you know your Bibles, Hebrews 9.22 says this, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now, that's a New Testament book. But if you just push rewind for a moment and think about where we've been. We started Easter Sunday morning in this story. I don't know if you've ever made this connection. But there are three gardens in the Bible. How many? There is the garden of creation where God creates and they're in the garden and and God tells them, Hey, you can have any fruit from any tree, but don't you dare touch that one tree. Remember that? Then there's the garden of Gethsemane, which is right before the cross. And the garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus was pressed like an olive In fact, that's what Gethsemane means. It means olive press. Jesus was pressed. Remember, he sweat blood. He was going to the cross for you and for me. And then there's a garden in the book of Revelation where we will praise God and worship God. And we'll see that when we get to the end of this series. Now, if you remember the creation story, do you remember what happened? God said, if you touch the fruit from that particular tree, you will die. Remember this? They touched the fruit from that tree like you. They have a tendency, and like me, to do things that they should not do. And so they touched the fruit from the garden. And in Genesis 3.21, Genesis 3.21, the Bible says this. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and did what? So, so they didn't die. They didn't die. God, they were naked, remember? Or where I'm from down in South Carolina, they were naked. They were naked, remember? And, and, and they, they ate the fruit, and they, they started to feel shameful. They should die. That was their just punishment, remember? And instead, God clothed them with the skin of an animal. Have you ever thought about this? Where did that come from? Seriously. you got to ask these kinds of questions when you read the Bible. And what we find in Genesis 3, in the very creation story, is we find the first shedding of blood to cover their sinfulness. The first shedding of blood goes all the way back to Genesis 3. It makes its way all the way through the Bible until we get to verses like Isaiah. And Isaiah says this, for he was pierced. Know that verse? For our transgressions. He was crushed for our what? Iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his, by his what? We are healed. Now, I don't know if you ever looked at this word and kind of broken it up. At one. By Jesus being our scapegoat, by Jesus taking the hit for us, by Jesus ultimately shedding blood once and for all for the remission of your sins, we can be at one with God. That's what atonement means. Some of you are not at one with God. Some of you, are, your relationship with God is broken. It's fractured. You came to the right place today because you're going to have a chance at the end of the day to let God make you at one with him by receiving the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. He was your scapegoat. He took the hit that you deserved, that I deserved. He paid the price, the sin debt that we could not pay. He was our ultimate scapegoat. So I brought somebody with me today. I, um, I, I brought a guest today. Um, let me see if I can find, I, I'll be a bringer. I was a bringer today. I was a bringer. Do, what do we have back here? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Renegade. I'm not even kidding. His name is Renegade. Oh, he's going under the table. Come on, come on, Renegade. Come on, come on. This is Renegade. Now, 
What they would do, just, just so you know, is they would take the goat, as we just read, and one, they'd cast lots. Y'all with your phones are so funny, yeah. <laughs> hey, baby, hey. He looks a little grumpy. He looks like some of you look on Sunday mornings. <laughs> hey, baby, what's up? He's being good, though, isn't he? Um, I, I got to tell you this story. Uh, this morning when we were doing our run-through, um, he came right here, and he consecrated the stage. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just flat did his thing right here. Um, so, so he's, he's, hey, come here, baby. Come on, I can show you something. So they would cast lots. And the one lot that fell to the goat that belonged to the Lord, they'd sacrifice. True story. And then the other goat, history tells us that they would take the scapegoat. That we just read it, Leviticus 16. They would take the scapegoat and they would tie a red cord around the neck of the scapegoat. This is perfect. And then they would send him off into the desert. Where are you going, buddy? They would send him. This is so perfect. And we didn't even have to give him an honorarium. And he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Where are you going, buddy? And they would send him off. Come on, renegade. And they would give, give him some love on his way out. Give him some love. And Jesus comes and he takes the hit for you so that you can be at one with a holy God who cannot be in the presence of sin. There had to be a shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin. And then I want to talk to you about this other word that I'm going to put up on the blackboard or the glass table in just a moment. And it is called substitute. Write it in. You guys know what a substitute is? How many of you, when you were in uh, school as a kid, treated your substitutes horrible? Y'all, come on. This is why you need the gospel, right? God bless the substitute teachers that showed up, man. I mean, we just, we, can't, we all know what a substitute is, right? A substitute is someone who fills in for us. If you're a coach or you're in sports, you know what it's like to send in a substitute player. The whole core of Christianity is that Jesus Christ has become our substitute atonement for us. If you know the Bible, I think of Genesis 22. You guys remember the passage in Genesis 22 where Abraham is asked to go up on a mountain and sacrifice his son Isaac? You guys remember this? I mean, if, if, if you can ever get to the point where you fully understand that passage of Scripture, you will understand the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Genesis 22 too. Let's read it out loud together, really strong like it's the word of the Lord. Ready, go. He said... Take your son, your, notice the language, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I shall show you. Take your son, your what? Your only son. So they're making their way up the mountain. And finally, Isaac is like, Father, we got the wood. We got the fire. Hey, where's the sacrifice? And look at what it says in verse 7. You read that so well. Let's read it out loud really strong. Ready? Go. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the... Where's the what? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb and the burnt offering. Genesis 3, the shedding of the blood of the animal. Genesis 22, the sacrifice of his only son, which God stepped in and through grace provided his only son. 
both of these are foreshadowing events of what we see come to fruition on the old rugged cross on a hill called Calvary. You start to connect these biblical dots and you start to see that God has been working all along in the upper story. And it is here at the cross of Calvary where the lower story and the upper story collide. And we see substitute atonement where Jesus is my substitute. Jesus is my scapegoat. And by his sacrificial death, by the blood that he shed there, I can be at one, at peace with Almighty God. It is the gospel good news. In John's gospel, John chapter 1, after Jesus is talking with his cousins, the Bible says that, that Jesus asked this question. I'm going to let this question just hang in the air for just a moment if that's okay with you. What are you looking for? What are you looking for, John 1.38? That's Jesus speaking in the Gospel of John. And the truth is, most of us look for all the wrong things in all the wrong places to try to fill this God-shaped vacuum. This God-shaped void inside of your heart. We try to fill it with food. We try to fill it with drink. We try to fill it with prescription drugs. We try to fill it with entertainment. We try to fill it with work. We try to fill it with spouses, by the way. Your spouse will never meet your deepest needs. Hello. We try to fill it with children. Your children will never meet your deepest needs. We try to fill this void, this God-shaped void inside of our soul with all these other things when in reality there is only one who will ultimately fulfill you and forgive you of your sin, give you abundant life here and now, and promise you eternity with God forever. And so Jesus says, what are you looking for? Just a few short verses later, very same chapter, John chapter 1. Let's read it out loud together because Jesus kind of answers the question. Look. Look, everybody, out loud with me. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The what? The what? The what? No, no, no. The what? The Lamb of God. <laughs> it could be either answer. Sins of the world or the Lamb of God. Hey, I, I, I'm a double bringer today. I brought another guest for you. I, I brought... <laughs> This is, this, is how, this is how shepherds carried their, their lambs in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible. Sweet Bell? Hey, by the way, Dennis LaRue, man of God, faithful new hoper, runs a Christian camp. Love that brother. This is, this is uh, Sweet Bell. And uh, she ain't sweet. <laughs> he told me that. That's true. See, 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 see. Come here, baby. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Come here, baby. This is Sweet Bell. She, she kind of looks like she's ashamed and she won't even lift her head. Some of you are like that. Some of you live with such a burden on you, such a legalistic definition of the faith that you kind of come to church and you kind of have your head down. You're living under the weight of religion. Did you hear me? Religion won't save you. You're like, what? I can't believe I'm hearing a pastor say. Religion won't save you. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Come on. Christianity is allowing God to reach you. Hello, we're going to sing a song at the end of the service. I hope you don't leave. It's called Death Was Arrested. And in the song, it talks about we are free. We are free. Forever we're free. That's when death was arrested and my life began. We're going to sing it in a little bit. Some of you, if you'll let the gospel message sink into the water table of your soul, what I'm talking about today, you'll leave here today with your head lifted high. Not ashamed of anything but resting in the pure grace and the freedom that comes from the Lamb of God who came to take away your sins. She lifted her head. <laughs> These animals are awesome. <laughs> hey, baby. Y'all, y'all got your phones out. You people. If you're going to take a picture of it, tweet about it and at least use it for God and say, hey, you need to come to our church. 
We do crazy stuff up in New Hope Church. <laughs> and so the, the system back then, again, though I know it sounds a little foreign and a little barbaric to you, but it was, it was their way of, of acquiring atonement, right? They, they knew that there had to be the shedding of blood. God had made it clear, and so they would take a lamb. You know the scriptures, the lamb without blemish. And they would sacrifice the lamb, and the priest would take the blood, from the lamb, right? And you know the whole story. They go into the Holy of Holies. And then in the Passover, they tell them to take the blood from the lamb, remember, and go to their doorpost and put the blood on top of their door frames to signify that they were in the blood. Their sins had been cleansed. They had been forgiven. So God passed them over in the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along as the perfect lamb, the sinless one, the lamb who what? Takes away the sins of the world. How you doing, Annabelle? Sweet Belle. <laughs> Annabelle. Belle ice cream. What's that ice cream? Blue Belle. It's all the same. You did a lot better in this service than the other service. Would you give her some love? She doesn't want to leave. Come on, let's go this way. Come on. Come on, sweet Belle. Uh-huh. I ain't picking that thing up. What you talking about? Dennis will come pick her up. Dennis, come on out here and get Annabelle. Sweet Belle. You're a good man. Thank you for helping me today. Ha, ha, ha. Look, everybody, that's the Lamb of God, they said when they saw Jesus. Who takes away what? It's the gospel good news, church. You'll see this in your teaching notes. The core of Christianity, the core of Christianity, if I could just boil it all down for you so that you just made it just crystal clear so that you left here understanding it. The core of Christianity is substitute atonement. It is summarized in these two words, substitute atonement, where Jesus took the hit for us. He was the scapegoat. He was the substitute. You should have been crucified on that cross. I should have been crucified on that cross. In fact, my sins helped nail him on the cross. He took the hit for you. He was my substitute atonement. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed, forgiven, redeemed. Having our, come on, having our name written in the Lamb's book of life. There is no gospel story better than this story. It is the good news. Two verses and a story and I'm done. What are you looking for? John 1.12 says this. But to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. I don't like that translation, by the way. When you study the original language, I like the earlier translation. He gave the right to become children of God. But to all who what? Received him. To all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Come on, come on. Serious question. I, I, I'm asking you. Forget about the people around you. Forget about what you got to do later today. Forget about the lamb and the goat and all that. Are you a child of God? Can you lift your weary head, old sinner, and walk out of here today singing and declaring, I am free. I am born again. I am a child of the living God. You become, the Bible says, not my language, just a scriptural language. 
You can become an adopted son or daughter of God, a co-heir with Christ. If you just do what that verse says. If you just receive him. And you believe in his name. Some of you are here and you're already a Christian. You came and, and you're a Christian and this message fires you up because there's nothing like the old story. I never get tired of hearing the old gospel story. It is food for the soul. Amen? But others of you walked in here today and you don't know. You don't know where you would spend eternity if you walked out of here today and you got hit by the proverbial bus. Do you know? Because you can know. You can know that you know that you know you are a child of God. You say, give me a little bit more, Pastor. Give me another verse. Here you go. Romans 10, 13. Everyone. You know what that word everyone means? I did a, I did a word study on it this week. Everyone. You're not going to believe this. It means everyone. <laughs> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Will be, will be what? Say it. Hallelujah. What are you looking for? You might be looking for Christ and you didn't even know it today when you showed up. What you're looking for if you haven't found it yet. Let me go ahead and just save you a lot of time and a lot of wasted energy and a lot of mistakes and a lot of regrets and a lot of consequences. You're looking for God. And he has drawn near. His name is Jesus. He died on a cross for you so that you can be at one with God. He says that if you call on his name, you will be saved forever and ever and ever. Let the church say amen. He is Jesus. He is God. He is the name above all names. He died for you. He loves you. He wants to save you. And he wants you to give up on religion. And come into a relationship. A sin-forgiving, life-giving purpose-driven relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you um, remember the movie that was produced, I don't know, probably been 10 years ago now, right? But it rocked our world, The Passion of the Christ. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember the main guy who directed that film, Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson was also in another uh, powerful movie, even a little bit older than that, called Braveheart. Y'all remember that? If you haven't seen Braveheart, you need to go rent Braveheart today, and you will be blessed. Unbelievable movie. You remember he's on the horse, right? He's got the blue face and all that kind of stuff. Y'all remember he's, they'll never take our freedom. Remember that? Oh, there he is, yeah. Most people... Watched that movie, and they believed that Mel Gibson was the main character, if you will. But I would submit to you today that the main character was not Mel Gibson in Braveheart. The main character was actually Robert Bruce, or what they called Robert the Bruce. And Robert the Bruce was a Scottish noble who was next in line for the Scottish throne. Watch the movie carefully, and you will notice that it begins and ends not with William Wallace but with Robert the Bruce. You see, in the 14th century, Robert Bruce was leading his men in a battle to gain independence from England. Near the end of the conflict, the English wanted to capture Bruce to keep him from assuming his position as next in the line for the Scottish crown. So they put his own bloodhounds on his trail. And when they got close... Robert the Bruce could actually hear those bloodhounds baying loudly in the distance. His attendant even said, Robert, we're done with. They're on our trail now. But Bruce headed to a nearby stream that he knew about. He jumped into the deep water. He waded upstream for a good distance before he got out on the other side. And within minutes, the hounds, tracing their master's steps, came to the edge of the stream themselves. But they went no further because the trail, the scent, if you will, 
was broken by the water. The stream had carried the scent away. A short time later, Robert the Bruce was crowned as the head of Scotland. You see, I see in this story of Robert Bruce a little bit of you and a little bit of me. Come on. Stick with me. Bruce, like Bruce, we all have the scent upon us. It's called the scent of sin. You have a scent about you. You have a sin scent about you. And judgment chases after you. Where there is sin, there has to be atonement. There has to be a price paid for sin because God is holy. God can't be in the presence of sin. There is a scent upon you. But the good news today is that there is a stream that we can wade into that will carry the scent of sin away and we can go free and claim the eternal crown of salvation that is given through Jesus Christ and him and him alone. The stream is the blood of Jesus drawn from the veins of Emmanuel. God with us. The stream drawn from the one and only substitute atonement for your sins and mine. What are you looking for? In the words of Bono, have you found what you're looking for? We're going to sing a song titled, Death Was Arrested. The verse goes like this. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began. And here's the chorus. Oh, we're going to blow it up with this chorus. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. And then the bridge says, we're free. We're free. Forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free. We're free. Forever, amen, when death was arrested and my life began. Do you know him? Do you desire a relationship with Christ? Do you need your sins forgiven? Do you need to walk out of here today and lift your weary head and say, you know what, I'm no longer going to live under the weight and the burden of legalism. I'm going to be free in Christ. I want us to pray, and I want to be real clear right here, right now. Listen, this is not a rededication. This is not, I just want to raise my hand, right, so I can be saved again. No, 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 no. Like, this is for those of you who are sitting here today in the balcony or here or at any of our campuses and you don't know Christ you've never received Jesus as the substitute atonement of your life I want to give you a chance to get saved today my day was October 23rd 1988 I shall never forget it most important day of my life do you have a day you have a moment where you said, you know what? That was the day that I got it. That was the day that I received it. That was the day that I was born again. Oh, I love this. I, lo I love the holy hush over the place right now. Let's pray. All heads bowed. Eyes closed. Eternity is resting in the balance right here, right now. Father, I thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the blood-stained cross where you poured out your, your love for us. Thank you that it was there that death was arrested, God, and my life began. Where would we be without you? Father, I thank you for the believers who came today. And Lord, they're just going to be inspired and invigorated and just excited about the gospel, Lord. This story never gets old. But God, we are aware of the fact that there are men and women around us at all of our campuses 
There are men and women in front of a television screen right now, in front of a computer screen all over the world. And they're hearing this message and something is happening deep inside and they sense that now is the time. Today is the day. If that's you today and you want to receive Christ, you want to believe in His name, you want to be saved as the Bible says it, then I want to invite you to just pray a simple prayer with me today. It's, it's not formulaic and there's nothing magic about these words. It's the heart behind the words. Why don't you pray something like this? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming to planet Earth. I thank you for showing us the way for 33 years. And I thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for hanging on the old rugged cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood Hebrews 9.22, for the cleansing, for the remission of sin. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Which is why I need you to be my Savior. I open up my heart today. I open up my mind today. I give you my life today. And I call on the name of Jesus. Come into my life today. Come into my life to stay. I will follow you to the best of my ability from this day forward. Not to earn my salvation, but simply to express the freedom that I have found in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. I love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people of God agreed together saying... Now, you hope you know this, but there are people all over this place and at all the campuses who just received Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. And we ought to let them know. Good job. We're going to turn it over to the worship leaders. Stay put. Don't jet for the door. We need to blow this place up and celebrate the gospel good news of Christ. Amen. They're going to come out. They're going to get us started. Hey, we love you guys at the campuses. You are in great hands. Sign all for them. Tell them how much we love them. We love you guys. Have a great day. Worship leaders are going to lead you in this moment. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast. And thanks for being a part of our church family.